I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians as we continue our study here that our families, whether in lockdown or free to roam, will be marked by that fear of Jehovah, which brings blessing, genuine, true blessing in the family, around the table, Uh, children like olive plants. I always uh, wondered at that metaphor to have a bunch of little plants around my table. But uh, flattered whether they are or not by that description, may it be so. And may we rejoice as families. We continue our study here in Colossians 3 as the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Spirit, gives directions for the Christian family. Colossians 3, we're going to read verses 18 down to verse 21. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Well, let's pray that God would help us each to take to heart those things that are appropriate and to live and obey. But notice, he says, this is fitting in the Lord, that we might be in the Lord to accomplish these things. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you did not leave us to our own devices in our families to do that which we learned from our parents, that which we observed, that which we read from some psychology textbook in college. But we have the manufacturer's instructions, as it were. We have the creator's directions, the one who instituted marriage. You have told us, O Lord, what is good. You have told us what is acceptable in your sight. You have told us that which makes a happy family. And as we live in the midst of dismay, of broken families, of children who don't even know who their parents are, and as we live in the midst of misery in families, we ask, O God, that your word would ring clear and true through the land, and find a place in many a heart. But we know that this can only be obeyed, only be followed, only be fruitful, where people are in the Lord. And so we ask that you would bless your gospel, as was prayed already, that we might see more and more come to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, be united to him, and be delivered from this present evil age. We ask through Jesus, our mediator, our redeemer, in his name alone. Amen. So now as we come to this second session on this passage, these four verses dealing with family life, uh, we remember last week, if you were tuned in, uh, we considered this basic underlying principle of authority in the family especially going to the sister passage, the parallel passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, we saw there that Paul compared the relationship of the husband to the wife to the relationship of Christ 
to his church, that Christ is the head of the church, the church submits to Christ, and so also in the family, the husband is the head of the wife, and the wife is to submit to her husband. There's a principle of authority. And you remember the bottom line that we saw last week, especially a message to the men, to the husbands and <coughs> husbands and fathers, the message is, do not abdicate your role of responsibility. But now we come in the second place to God's directions for wives especially. And it's one short verse, verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In the letter to the Ephesians, there's much more about that relationship in terms of the headship of the husband paralleled with Christ's headship over the church. Uh, We will compare, we will add some things from that passage, but we're going to follow the way that the words are presented to us here in Colossians 3 as the outline of our study. And before we come to that, though, let me just address a concern that was brought to my attention this past week. Well, what about the singles? We're talking about here, hus- wives, husbands, and of course, children. How about adult children? I mentioned them last week. Well, what does the Bible have to say about singles? Are they just second class? Are they just neglected? Are they uh, somehow shunted off to the side and not really a vital part of the church? No, that's not the way to look at it. Uh, Of course, the Apostle Paul is here addressing families, and I believe even the singles among us would uh, accept this reality that if the church is not made up of healthy families, as well as singles in a godly singlehood, if the families in the church are not healthy, the church is not healthy. If the families in the church are what is called dysfunctional, and let me just pause for a moment uh, and just acknowledge that every family from Adam and Eve onward is dysfunctional in one way or another because it's a sin-cursed world. And there's no such thing as a perfect family under the sun. But still, there are families that are seeking to be ordered according to God's Word. There are families in which there is health, in which there is happiness, in which there is joy, in which you have the olive plants around the table, in which the wife is happy and the husband is loving. There are families like that. If the church is made up of families like that, the world will take notice. And singles will be blessed as singles have a a unique way of serving in the church and serving married families. And married families have a unique way of serving even the singles in the church as together we serve Christ. And I hope, again, singles, you would accept this reality. If the families are not healthy, this church is not healthy. And so you will... Bear with me if I take some time, as the Apostle Paul did, to lay out these directives for wives and husbands and children and fathers. So tonight, God's directives for wives. And we want to look at this under four headings. And then some words of application. But first of all, there's the basic duty of the wife... Spoken of here, wives, be subject to your husbands, submission. Uh, 
Then there is the reinforcing reason in the text, as is fitting in the Lord. I'm going to add two points which are not explicit in the text. The third point is the acknowledged exceptions. And we have to acknowledge that uh, though the statement here seems absolute, that there are exceptions which are mentioned in the Scriptures. And then fourthly, there's something else not mentioned here, but which is worth, men, uh, which is worth uh, giving attention to, and that is the assumed duty of the wife. And I'll leave that as a question mark, and we'll come to it. So there's a bit of suspense. First of all, then, the basic duty of the wife, as the Apostle Paul mentions it here, wives, be subject to your husbands. The identity of the basic duty of the wife is submission. And it follows that if the pattern of authority in the family is that the husband is the head of the wife just as Christ is the head of the church, well, the church is to be subject to the word of Christ in everything, in worship, in life, in faith and practice, in all things we have the regulative principle that the word of Christ is law in his family, the church, in his body. Well, so also then in the family, the earthly family, if the wife's relationship to the husband is like that of the church to Christ, then it follows that her duty is submission. Now again, what is the identity of that? What's the meaning of that? Well, to submit, uh, the Greek word literally means to place herself under. Wives, place yourselves under your husbands. That means that he has authority. That means that you are to obey him just as the church is to obey Christ. Now, the positive implication of this is to follow the husband's directions. When the husband makes a decision, then the wife is to follow. The wife, of course, may give input. The wife may voice her opinion. She is not a a nobody, not a non-entity. She is a person, and a, a wise husband will solicit her input, will listen to her point of view, will consider her needs as she expresses them, and he will come up with a plan of action based on all the inputs. But the wife ultimately, and this is what it means, is to obey his plan. Just as the church bows to the sovereign will of its Lord, just as uh, Bezalel and Oholiah followed the directions of the Lord through Moses on how to construct the tabernacle, well, the wife is to follow her husband in everything. Now, that's what the parallel in Ephesians says, in everything. Now, the test of this uh, is when she disagrees. Of course, if it's an, uh, in a matter in which it's an obvious call, everybody agrees, it's just a plain as the nose on your face, that's what you ought to do, the husband sees it, the wife sees it, then to submit is really easy. It's not an issue. It becomes difficult when the wife's opinion is different from the husband's opinion. It may be something trivial. How to arrange the furniture? What color to paint the house? Maybe she wants garish pink, and he says no. (laughs) She submits. 
but it may be in something a little more it with more impact, like where to spend vacation or uh, something very important, like whether to move house, whether uh, you should live here or there, whether you should take another job, whether the wife should resign from her job. The test of submission is here in those things wherein the wife has a different opinion from the decision of the husband. Wives submit. Now, I find it helpful when I read the scriptures to consider the opposite. What would disobedience to this look like? Well, of course, a stubborn refusal would be disobedience to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives be subject if the wife crosses her arms and says, no way. That is insubmission. That's disobedience. The silent treatment. Hmm. Okay, that's what you say. Go ahead. What we call the Cold War. That is not submission. Okay, I'll do it, but... All right, you're going to suffer for it if I do it. That is not submission. The emotional blackmail treatment. That's her decision. Oh, I don't want to go into hysterics here in the pulpit, but you know what I'm talking about. Emotional blackmail, whining, putting on a show. Ladies, that is not submission. Again, you voice your opinion. You may express your disagreement, but ultimately you will submit because that's what the scriptures say. Now, how do you do it? Now, we're going to come to the uh, statement here, as is fitting, because it is fitting, for this is fitting in the Lord. But I want to just say that you do it in according to Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Let me read that. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord expressed differently from here in Colossians, as to the Lord. The manner of your submission would be the same way, according to Ephesians, the same way that you submit to your gracious master, the Lord Jesus. Now, many make an excuse for not submitting. They say, but, but you don't know my husband. My husband is as stubborn as an, as an ox and as stupid as a mule. He's as cruel as a spider. He's as sly as a snake. How can I submit to that? Or he's a drunkard. Or he swears and he shouts. I can't stand it. Well, we live in a sin-cursed world. And there are exceptions. We'll come to those further on. Hold on. But again... Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The Lord is the one, you see, who gives this command for you to submit to him. And the Lord is gracious and kind, and he knows what is best for you. And if you calm down from your angry response and say, well, maybe I couldn't do it for him, but I could do it for my Lord Jesus. I'll do it. For him, instead of growling, all right, that's what you want. As you would respond to your Lord. Yes, dear. Yes. I'll do it.
as to the Lord. Picture as it were, not with an idol or an image, but just as it were in your mind's eye, consider how you would respond to the Lord. And you trust in his wisdom and his might that it is your Lord who makes this command. And as you submit your husband, you're doing it in submission to the Lord. Yes, you are weak, but he is mighty and he can make you stand. Remember that your lack of submission will only make the situation worse. If you dig in your heels, which we see in that in that uh, statement of judgment on the woman, you uh, that the, the husband was going to rule over her, but she was going to... Uh, let me just read it so I don't mess it up. Genesis chapter 3, in that judgment... He says to the woman, Your desire shall be for your husband, yet he shall rule over you. And the desire spoken of here, parallel to the desire in Genesis chapter 4, is the desire to master. If you desire to master, it's not going to go well. He will rule over you. He must. And that lack of submission will only make the situation worse. God knows what is best. And remember, furthermore, that as you submit, this may, I'm not promising, but it may be God's means to save him, to change him. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. I referred to this passage last week. Let me read it. 1 Peter chapter 3. In the same way you wives, so it's not only Paul who says this, it's the Holy Spirit through Paul and through Peter. In the same way you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Without a word, not nagging them. Not ragging at them, but graciously, submissively following their lead, that they may be one without a word. And so pray for that difficult husband. Instead of trying to change him by your manipulation, by whining, by blackmail, you submit with the help of the Almighty and pray that he would be changed by God's grace. And note again, lastly here, just before I move on, that the refusal to submit is rebellion against the Lord, because it's the Lord who says here in Colossians 3, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I knew a woman in another church years ago very, very sweet, uh, spoke much about her love for the Lord, and we were invited to their home for a meal. And during the meal, this husband, her husband, who was always a quiet man, started to open up and express himself, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this woman snapped. He climbed up and didn't say another word the whole evening. That was rebellion against the Lord that she said she loved. 
to deal that way with her husband. Now, before we move to point two, I have several more sub-points here under point one. This command to submit, what's the ground of it? Well, the ground, just to mention briefly, is what we saw last week in Ephesians chapter five. It's the husband's headship. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. That's inviolable, irreversible. That's the way it is. And you say, well, he's lazy. Well, women, men have a lazy gene. It probably is genetic in all men. And so that's not a good excuse because the Lord knows that. And yet he says, wives, submit to your husbands. Don't do his work. Let him do it. We say he'll mess it up. Well, <laughs> uh, to paraphrase something that a Filipino president once said, a, a home run in a mess by a husband is much better than a home run perfectly by a wife. It's better to let God's pattern be fulfilled. You, you may say, but, but he's, he's an alcoholic, he's an addict, he's an aggressor, he abdicates his responsibility. Well, there are, as we shall see, uh, some matters which uh, may be exceptions, which may be taken into account, especially if he's violent. But on the whole, again, you pray for him. We can't deal with all the possibilities from the pulpit. Maybe you need pastoral counseling in that matter. But again, pray for him, that God will help him to do his responsibility. Now, the extent, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, 24, wives obey your husbands to be subject in everything. In career, in child discipline, in finances, just to mention a few. Wives, going back again to Colossians 3, be subject to to your husbands. What's not clear about that? Well, what's the reason? Coming now to the second heading. What's the reinforcing reason that Paul lays out here after he says, be subject, he says, as is fitting in the Lord. As it is fitting, if we just take that phrase, that, that refers to the fact that there is stamped on the conscience of every man and woman, girl and boy, every human being, a sense of appropriateness of behavior. As Paul said in Coloss in 1 Corinthians 13, rather, love does not act unbecomingly. That tells us there's a certain kind of behavior that's becoming or appropriate and there's another kind of behavior that's unbecoming. It's not fitting. And when you see a rebellious, unsubmissive, headstrong wife who wants to rule the roost, there's something that you say, that's not fitting. And, you know, you can find Shakespeare has a, a, a whole play about the, uh, the wife who is, uh, oh, what's the word? It just jumped out of my head. Um, mm. The shrew, the taming of the shrew. Thank you, audience. Um, yeah, it's good there are some people here. The taming of the shrew. Well, that's not fitting. Everybody, you, know, you read the book and you think, well, that woman needs to be tamed. 
Whether he did it the right way or not, I'll leave that to your judgment. But a shrew, a shrew who is complaining, who is wanting to run the show, the world knows that's not fitting. My grandfather used to say after eating a good meal, if my memory serves me correctly, he used to sit back and say, well, that was fitting. That was fitting. It was good. It went down well. It left a good taste in his mouth and a good feeling in his belly. And so to a wife who cheerfully follows the lead of her husband, it's fitting. It's got a good taste to it. It's, it seems right. But notice what Paul adds here. He just doesn't just leave it at that. It's fitting. He says, as it is fitting in the Lord. We could take this a couple of ways. It's fitting for a Christian woman. It's fitting especially if the woman is a Christian. To see a Christian woman who's rebellious, who's headstrong, who wants her own way, who is boisterous and noisy, uh, like the harlot in Proverbs chapter 7. It's not fitting for a noisy, uh, bossy woman. But especially a Christian you call yourself a Christian, and that's the way you treat your husband? If she's a Christian, all the more it's not fitting, because it's disobedient to her Lord as well as to her husband. But furthermore, it's fitting in the Lord, especially because she has all the grace of God. If she is a genuine Christian, she has the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. She's a new creature. She is not like she used to be. If she's a genuine Christian, she's not yet perfect, but she's not what she used to be. And so if you're a Christian woman, you have all the resources of the Spirit of the Godhead, as it were to help you to overcome that native bossiness. Maybe you're the oldest of ten children and you uh, were delegated by your parents to keep them in line. Woe be to your husband if he doesn't keep in line. (laughs) Well, that native bossiness can be subjected by the Spirit to become a sweet, submissiveness. It's fitting in the Lord because you have his grace that will help you and mold you and change you to be a godly wife. It's fitting in the Lord. I want to come in the third place to the acknowledged exceptions. I mentioned this earlier, and maybe you've been waiting till I could get to these. Well, I think I'm an exception. Well, wait, wait just a minute. First of all, the primary exception is when the husband would command the wife to do anything which is contrary to the revealed will of God. Of course, if Christ, who is the head of the church, if his authority is canceled or who is, is contradicted by the command of the husband, we find in Acts chapter five these words, when the apostles, Peter and John, were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus by the high priests, 
Those religious authorities that we learned of this morning in the adult Bible class who sometimes religious leaders go against the gospel, fight against Christians. Well, that's what Peter and John faced. And notice what they said when they were commanded by the council not to preach any more in the name of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. Verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than men. And so, dear Christian wives, if your husband commands you to do anything which is contrary to the word of God, you have warrant not to submit in that matter. For example, church or worship attendance. We are commanded by God in the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. We are commanded in Hebrews chapter 10 not to forsake the assembly. Now, we are not assembling for good and righteous reason to protect life. We'll come to that. So, as a church, as elders and deacons, we have determined that for the good of the people and for the glory of our Savior, who would not be glorified if Trinity Baptist Church were all in an emergency room somewhere, we've determined that we're going to gather in our homes for the time being until such time that we can gather together in this place once more. But the commandment still holds. We are not to forsake the assembly. We are to keep the Lord's day, the Sabbath, holy. We are to remember it and not forget it, as prone as we are to forget. Now just for an example of this, there was a lady in our church in the Philippines, a dear Christian woman, who wanted to be submissive to her husband, but also she saw in her Bible as a new Christian, a young Christian, that she should be part of a church, that she should worship the Lord on the Lord's day. And she spoke with me in my study. How, what, what should I do? My husband's going to throw a fit if I am baptized, if I join the church. She had married him when she was still in her previous faith, a Roman Catholic, worshiping idols. And she came to see that idols can't save. It's only Jesus can save. She was saved. Her husband held to tradition. And he forbade her. She, what should I do? I said, we must obey God rather than men. She came. She was baptized. She came to our church, became a member, attended faithfully. At first in the morning only, trying to be sensitive to her husband. But then, you know, when it happened, he threw a fit. Didn't talk to her several days. But then he got over it. And he saw the blessedness of the fruit of the gospel in her. He could not gainsay it. And so he became more tolerant. And then she attended evening. She attended our Wednesday prayer, Thursday prayer meeting. She attended our retreats. And not a ruffle, not any problem 
Why? Because she determined she was going to obey God rather than men. What if your husband commands you to do anything else against God's commandment? You know, like some business practices, or somebody calls, and your husband says, tell the boss I'm not here, tell the boss I'm sick, involving lying, or cheating, or stealing. Well, she must obey God rather than men. So again, the wrath of man may be terrible, but God's wrath is more terrible still. And so, wives... There are exceptions. If he commands you to do anything contrary to God's word, you do not have to obey in that instance. But then I would add another exception here, and that would be if the wife's life is in danger. I mentioned before a man who may be an alcoholic or a drug addict or an aggressor, uh, in such case, if your life is in danger, to submit may put your life in greater danger. Uh, a man who beats his wife, threatens her with a knife or a gun, or abuses the children, it may be appropriate to leave such a situation. God is not going to put you in a place. God is not going to force you to remain in a place, I should say. It would require you to put your life in danger. Now again, there are those who may look for a loophole, who may be searching for an exception, looking for a way out. But are talking about genuine danger. And so, wives, consider carefully. Don't look for a loophole. Don't <laughs> push your husband until he gets angry, and then you can say, aha, now I've got an excuse. But again... God is careful of life. And so with these acknowledged exceptions, still the commandment remains. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Now, lastly, the fourth place, I mentioned that there's an assumed duty. It's not explicitly stated in the text. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Have you ever wondered why in Ephesians and in Colossians, the Apostle Paul never commands the wife to love her husband? It's a good question. I've wondered it. Why is not the wife commanded? Love your husband. Well, perhaps it is. Perhaps it is that uh, the wife is, generally speaking, more loving, gentle, naturally, than a man. More expressive, generally speaking. I know there are exceptions. But generally speaking, women are more gentle and loving and expressive than men. Women are fulfilled in serving. They were created, they were given, the the wife Eve was given to Adam to be his helper suitable to his need. And so maybe it goes without saying. However, however, it is said in Titus chapter 2. Please turn with me there. And so it's assumed in Colossians, but it is explicit in the book of Titus, in the letter of Paul to Titus. Titus chapter 2, 
The older women are told here that they should encourage or literally uh, train the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And so this is something that the older women are to model, are to teach, are to train the younger wives in the church. Love your husband, love your children. So uh, it still is said explicitly here in this passage. And why is it said? Well, because, let's be honest, those springs of love can shrivel up. Love can grow cold uh, because perhaps of the behavior of the husband. But it must not be allowed to happen. The woman is still to love her husband. She must seek to maintain the fires of devotion. She must seek to uh, continue those acts of love, doing special things for them to make sure they know they're appreciated, cooking their favorite food. Uh, Of course, not buying them flowers. That's for him to do for her. But uh, doing those things which he would appreciate, avoiding monotony in your love life, Of course, the husband has great responsibility. We'll come to that, Lord willing, next week. Husbands, love your wives. That's explicit back in Colossians chapter 3. Love your husbands. And also, love your children. Now, you say, well, that's natural, natural affection. Uh, For a mother to love her child, that comes naturally. But, uh, you know, children can test your patience. I thought I was a patient person until... We had children, and uh, they can make you turn the most patient uh, person into a growling bear. Uh, We all growl like bears. But one key to raising children, of course, discipline them, of course, train them, correct them, but love them. Hugs and kisses are just as important as spanks and correction. Make sure they know. They are loved. More of this, of course, when we get to children and to fathers later in the chapter, a couple verses on from here. But wives, love your husbands. Love your children. Now, as we wrap up this evening, going back again, let me read the verse in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I know that I've, as I've preached this evening... This is not politically correct. This is not culturally acceptable. This is the 21st century in America, and we've had hammered into our heads in the educational system, in the uh, marketplace. Uh, Women can do everything just as well as men. No doubt better in many cases. I'll acknowledge that. But that's not the issue. It's not the issue who's smarter. It's not the issue who's stronger. It's not the issue uh, who's more deserving. It's the issue that this is what God's Word says. I didn't write it. I'm preaching it. That's my job. It's all of our job to obey it. And so, ladies, as I've expounded this, as I've tried to show what it looks like in submitting, uh, what the exceptions may be, as I've tried to show also what it looks like when you're not submitting, God's Word, it's not my Word. Don't get mad at me. I mean, you may be mad at me. That's, that's all right. I can hopefully can bear it. But it's God's Word. Ultimately, to disobey this is to say to your Lord and Master, 
I will not have you to rule over me. Because it's his word. And so, ladies, it's his will. Do it as unto him. Ask for his blessing upon you as you do it. Imagine your Savior with his nail prints in his hands, saying to you, wives, submit to your husband. That's my will for you. It's fitting. You're united to me. This is what I require you to do. Submit. Yes, there are exceptions, but don't make the exception the rule. Don't look for the loophole. Don't push the man until he falls into that sin that would make him an exception. Submit and love. That's your duty. That's what Christ commands you to do. Will you do it? Pray for grace. As I pray for the women in this church, the mothers, the wives, I pray, Lord, help them. As I pray for the men, and men, wait your turn, because we'll come to you. And you know, it's interesting, and just a little preview of next week, the Word of God never tells husbands, husbands, rule your wives. Of course, that's implied. If they're to submit, you're to make the decisions. But God's Word to you is, Love your wife, and if I can add, not adding to God's word, if I can insert, love your wife wife in such a way that it will be a delight for her to submit to you just as much as the church delights in submitting to Christ. Why? Because we know his way is best. We know that his rule is for our good. We know that his providence, even though the bud has a bitter taste, sweet will be the flower. Even though there are dark clouds, they hide a smiling face of the God of providence. And so husbands, don't use this week before I preach again on husbands love your wives. Don't use this week to browbeat, to pummel, to batter your wife, to push her and shove her into submission. You're to be her head, yes, but not her tyrant, not a cruel King Tut. Husbands, what's God's word for you? Come back to this again and again. What do I do with her? Here it is. Love her. Husbands, love your wife in such a way that she will delight to submit to your rule. Now, I can't end without saying a word to those who maybe have tuned in and you're thinking, what strange planet is this guy from? Talking about wife submitting? I remember attending a wedding when I was in college, and so it's going back a few years. And at this wedding, the pastor preached from, I think it was the Ephesian passage, wives submit to your husbands. And I was sitting at a table at the reception, and a man was going on saying, what kind of a church is this? What are they preaching here? They really mean that the wife is to submit? 
And he didn't know that sitting next to me at the table was the assistant or an associate pastor of the church that we were attending in college and that he was listening to all of this. And he did respond. But, uh, you know, it's just it's so politically incorrect to say, wives, submit your husbands. Well, let me just ask you this question. If that's your thought and you're saying, what, how did I get on this website? Why am I listening to this sermon? Well, let me just say this. The world has been pushing this feminist agenda uh, and this politically correct stuff that everybody's equal and, and in a marriage there's no headship. They've been pushing this. Let me ask the question. Are families happy today? I mean, just honestly. Are families... Is your family happy? Maybe... The husband has capitulated. So, well, you go ahead, run the show. Maybe they take a vote. Include the kids. Ice cream for dinner every night. Maybe the wife is a manipulator, whining and cajoling, getting her way. But ultimately, you know what? I mentioned dysfunctional families in my introduction. The family is a wreck in this country. And we can trace it to the rejection of God's word and God's way. It's led to a disaster. School teachers are leaving the profession in droves. Why? Because not necessarily because of the kids, because of the parents. And the families are broken and you don't know who you're dealing with. And then you say, well, okay, I'll give your way a try. I'll, I'll try to set my family... You know what? Just trying to obey God's rules. Of course, it's, it's better than not doing that. But you know, you're missing the main point. Look again at the verse. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. That little phrase is repeated in various ways in Christ, in the Lord, in Him, throughout the New Testament. You neglect that, you miss it. You have to be in Christ. You have to be delivered from your sin. You have to be washed with His blood. You have to be pardoned. You have to be made new. You have to be, to use Jesus' own words, to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. That means you need renovation from the inside out. You need new life, which is only found in Jesus Christ. You try to renovate your, your, your family system on your own, even following God's rules. It's, it's really not going to work. You need Christ. You need Him as your head. You need Him as the head of your home. You need His Word to rule on your heart by His Spirit. You need to be washed and cleansed. But here's the good news. This Jesus who gives these directions to the family, He's a Savior. And He can save to the uttermost that means completely, totally everyone 
who comes to God through him. Such a savior. There's none like him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we look around us and see families dysfunctional, non-functional, broken and shattered, seldom, never heard an encouraging word, only heard discouraging words, skies threatening and cloudy all day. Oh, Father, we ask that in mercy, as there's this infection, this grievous infection of sin, infecting family after family, household after household, parents, husbands, wives, oh, send the balm of the gospel into the hearts of men and women. Save, deliver, cleanse, wash, change, as only you can do. And we think of Christian homes where still, because we're in a sin-cursed world and there is remaining sin in the best of men and women, where there are problems of submission, where there are problems of leadership, oh God, send your Spirit by your Word and set in order those things that still are crooked. And may this church and all churches that, where your word is preached, may we see godly families. May they so shine in this dark world that neighbors notice and recognize and ask them for a reason of the hope that is in them. Oh God, work in such a way that our families would be beacons of joy and light in this dark, perverse, sin-cursed world. We ask this mercy through Jesus our Savior. Amen.